are now listening to Liberation. I am your host, LaCroix Hatcher. Liberation presents Nick Westberg. Nick is the family minister for the Tulare Church of Christ in Tulare, California. In this episode, Nick will talk to us about atheism. Nick, a former atheist, will tell us about what made him change and how Christians can better engage with non-believers. We will also talk about engaging the youth, strengthening our faith, personal Bible study, and the Jesus Addict. Please enjoy the show. All right, folks, today on this episode of Liberation, I have a young man that has faced an interesting challenge um, in his short span. Um, oftentimes, things like um, Gnosticism and agnostics and atheists are thrown around, but uh, we have a gentleman that's actually lived that life. Um, far too often, us um, quote-unquote religious folks we often badmouth atheists, um, those that are not believers, uh, those that aren't putting one foot in front of the other. And oftentimes we get caught up in the arguments, but we, we're not seeing the, um, the spiritual side of the person. We're not seeing the person for what they are. We automatically judge them as being something uh, evil and someone to stay away from. Uh, but I have a gentleman that can explain that a little bit better. Um, I have Nick Westberg. Um, preacher and evangelist out of California, uh, and I'll let him explain his story. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Nick, good evening, and how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for uh, having me on. It's uh, it's great to get to talk with you. I know we you know, kind of talked a couple hours before this, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to, to share a little bit with you. That's, that's good. You, you <laughs> And folks, he told me he didn't think he had anything interesting to offer. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he he has his own situations going on himself, but he tells me he doesn't have anything to offer. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but Nick, uh, tell the folks where you are from. I am I am originally from Sacramento, um, but I live in Tulare and minister uh, and work in, in Tulare with my wife uh, and my two daughters, who are three and six years are are three and six months old. Not six years, six months. Um, but yeah, we've been down the valley here for, uh, three, three and a half years now, but before we came to Tulare, we were in Visalia, which is, you know, 15 minutes on this, the other side of the town. But yeah, um, that's where I am from, um, geographical places go. Before we get into your story and, and how you came to uh, where you are presently in life, as I was explaining in the intro, um, you were once an atheist. Um, yep. Is there any particular reason why um, you didn't believe that there was a creator during that time? Not particular, no. Uh, it was more of a, um, and I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was a hostile atheist. Like you know, you run into the, the different phases of atheism. You know, you got the atheist that you know just hasn't seen anything that's made him believe in God. You know, he might, you got the agnostic who doesn't know if there's a God. He thinks about God. He thinks about if there is a God, but he doesn't know if there is a God. Right. <laughs> uh, and then you've got the hostile atheists, the ones like, you know, um, uh, what is his name? Bill Har and Chris, Bill Maher and Christopher Hitchens and um, Richard Dawkins. And they're the hostile atheists, the atheists that are, are very active uh, towards making sure that, you know, people don't believe that there is a God. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, I was, I wouldn't say I was a hostile atheist. Um, I was a, I was a, I guess a passive atheist where like, if you tried to bring me to church or you tried to tell me about God, I kind of brush you off and say, ah, I really don't want to talk about that. You know, it's, I don't, I don't really, it's the way it was always presented to me was fantasy, like, like a fantasy novel. Like they were trying to tell me the story that they thought would change my life. Even though they couldn't make the story sound real for me, you know, so every conversation I had encountered prior to, you know, um, just dialoguing with my wife on a, on a daily basis about this kind of stuff. I had never, I didn't have any interest in it, uh, but I was not hostile to, I wouldn't say I was hostile towards God in the sense of like, you know, go around telling people, if you believe in God, you're crazy. You know? <laughs> if you believe in God, you're, you know, that that's, that you know, you, you know it's like almost the opposite. If you believe in God, you're not going to go and, you're going to go right to the ground. <laughs> the passive uh, atheism, atheism that, that uh, you had, um, where would you say I was embedded in you? Where did that start? Uh, science class in high school. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like, you know, they, we would, they would talk about, you know, they, they mentioned evolution. I'll go, Oh, well that makes sense. And then, you know, my mm-hmm. mom would mention these ideas. Well, I watched this documentary and this guy said this and I just thought it was in there. She was just asking questions. She didn't really believe in one thing, but you know, she would put these ideas in my head. I go, huh, that, you know, that makes sense. She put these, these little seeds and then you know, I'd sit there at night before I go to bed and start to think about these ideas. Well, how could that, that, I don't really know how that could happen. That makes, oh, that makes sense. If, if this and this happened, you know, you try to justify it and mm-hmm. justify it and rationalize it within your own mind. And, try to figure out how it could make sense even though none of it actually does make sense <laughs> so it's weird but yeah that was uh it wasn't that, that's why i guess it was, i would say it was passive is because it wasn't like you know um uh, like the, you read the uh the charles darwin story right mm. and part of the reason and I've, I've heard this on multiple occasions i'm sure you could read it somewhere part of the reason that he was one who cursed God was because uh, his daughter had died at some point and, and God did not intervene in his daughter's death. And so well, one of the things that made him hostile towards God or to go down this road of evolution was that God did not intervene in my life, you know? Mm. And so it wasn't like anything like that where I was like, I, you know, God, I, uh, like, I don't see you. Like, I don't see how there could be a God. There's all this stuff that I see that's really amazing and really cool, mm. but it doesn't indicate to me that there's a creator. You know, right. and it doesn't mean that there's a creator. Absolutely. So your mother wasn't atheist by any stress. She just no, she wasn't. Didn't she sway was a one way or the other. Catholic, you know. Okay. My dad was too. They're you know, pa- I guess passive Catholics. You know, just you know, not really, not really religious people. But they didn't make us go to church or do anything like that. It mm-hmm. wasn't forced, you know. Right. Um, so I always tell you know some of these young kids. I just spoke at a, a youth rally this weekend and. One of the things we were talking about is like owning your faith, right? How do you own your faith? Um, when do you take ownership of that, of that faith? And, uh, I explained to him, you know, my story is different than a lot of you guys because a lot of you guys sitting in this room have grown up in the church. And you, you've grown up in the environment and you've heard, uh, the doctrines and the, and seen the practices and, you know, have read the Bible yourselves and you sit in Bible classes. And this for a lot of you is something that's pushed into your life. It's not something that you reach out and grab. Right. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was the opposite. I wasn't forced into it. And, but it wasn't, so it was something that I was hostile towards. Now, 
it could have been the opposite effect because I have this, you know, slight spirit of rebellion where, you know, <laughs> somebody tries to push me or challenge me or tell me to do something. Well, then I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my fist up and fight back. You know, it's kind of that attitude, especially when I was younger, it was a lot more prevalent. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and so I think if, if, uh, if my parents would have forced it on me, I wouldn't have, you know, I would probably might have, you know, just accepted it while it was, but 18 come around, I ain't going anymore kind of thing, you know. Um, but it was actually the opposite, which was really good. <laughs> Tell us about your first um, interaction with the Lord's Church. Um, how old were you at that time? Mm, I was I was seventeen. Uh, I I met, about a, so I met my huh yeah. I so was, you about a I junior was, senior year in high school because I had just met my wife uh, about three months prior. Okay, and we had started dating. You know she. I met her in August and we started dating in September and then uh, come to find out that she wasn't allowed to date. Okay. So I became to her parents. I was her friend. Um, and actually, our, you know, it's funny. We, we were uh, walking out of school holding hands and she looks through the gate and she sees a guy and she shakes her hand off like that and, and walks like this. And I'm walking I'm like, what the heck is going on? And she just runs to the car. She doesn't even say bye to me. And I'm like, what, what, I texted her, I was like, what's going on? She's like, well, I'm not allowed to date. And I was like, okay. So we got to figure out how to work this angle. You know, this is what I'm thinking in my mind. I was like, if I knew she wasn't allowed to date, I would have probably not dated her, you know? Um, and I didn't even, at that point, don't think I even know she knew she was religious. Um, you know, that, that she even, that she even believed in God or anything like that. And, uh, then, um, she was pretty good. She didn't push it on me either. She kind of worked me into it nice and slow. She was like, well, hey, well, you should just come to church so we can just hang out. You know, she's like, you don't, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to listen to anything the guy says or whatever. You know, I'm going to try to convert you. I just, you know, I just want to hang out with you because that was the only day other than school that we could hang out. You know, she was always doing something with her family on Saturdays. And, um, so the first time I stepped foot in the doors of a church, the doors of the Lord's church, the church of Christ, um, got a gospel meeting they were having out there and uh she's like yeah just come out hang out meet everybody i'm like okay so i walk in there and i honestly i was a little weirded i was a little weirded out because i was the only guy in the room <laughs> in a t-shirt and shorts okay i didn't come from a church background and i don't have any idea and her dad's there and he's dressed up and he's got a shirt and tie on and i'm like i'm underdressed you know and i got flip-flops on okay <laughs> And I'm trying thinking to myself, like, what what did I just step into? I, this was not my perception of religious people, was that they dressed up, got all fancy, and went to church. I, the, the, the last church I had ever gone to, I was 14 years old, and his mom said we could wear whatever we wanted. Uh-huh. So, And I didn't see anybody walking around in suits and ties. So in my mind, I'm thinking, these people are really weird. Why are they dressing up like they're going to a funeral? <laughs> Try to figure it out in my mind, you know, rationalize it. Um, and eventually you get used to that stuff, right? You know, you, you see it and you're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, they, they dress, they're dressing, they're, they're, you know, they have this long held tradition of dressing their best for the Lord and they believe that and that's, that's good and that's fine and I'm not going to fight with that or tell anybody they're sinning because they do it as long as you don't force me to do it, you know? Uh, <laughs> right. So that, that was how I spent my first six months, you know, in church was, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, why do they do what they do? You know, like, well, why, why are they, it's because from somebody on the outside teaching like that, you think, you think they're, they're radicals, they're crazy, that they, you know, there's something wrong with them because nobody acts like that. <laughs> like, you never see anybody, unless they're crazy, or they're on drugs, <laughs> acting like that. 
<laughs> in my mind, that's what I'm thinking, right? Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I got used to it when I figured it out. You know, I just, it was like, okay, well, and then, you know, she would ask me, well, you should wear a, a dress shirt. And I'm like, I don't even own a dress shirt. <laughs> I don't, the, I, the last dress shirt I owned was for football, and I had a, and I borrowed a tie from somebody, and I wore a pair of jeans, and that was the only time I wore a tie and a shirt. Right. You know, it just wasn't, wasn't my style. And so my first impression was these people are quacky. You know, they're just, they're, they're, they're crazy. They're weird. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. I, you know, how to, oh yeah, yeah, I'm not the kind of person who just goes, oh, this is, you know, this is cool. I'll get used to it. There's some people like they adapt really easy. Um, and they don't ask questions. They just jump in and they just go with the flow, you know, right. and I'm kind of the guy that's like, well, why that? You know, uh, always been that way. Uh, my, my whole life, like, well, why do you do that? Like, why don't you do this instead? You know, and I'm asking questions and I'm thinking through things and I'm, and I've got, I'm, I'm a little bit philosophical in the sense that I like to ask deep questions. Well, why do you believe this doctrine and why do you teach this thing? And so my, my, my fight and my, my journey through this was a lot of deep questions that made me stay up a lot of late nights <laughs> at some mm. points. Well, I'm I'm literally crying, but uh, uh, so she ran a good game on you. That was a she good game did. she ran on you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she did. I remember telling her after church, man. I mean, we'd have, you know, I I would do things like when we were going to church. Cause I didn't, you know, I said like thinking to myself like, okay, I have to be reverent, you know, kind of thing, or I have to be quiet, you know. So I do things like I find a funny meme, you know, when we're singing a song. And I'd be like, hey, read this, read this. And she'd, and she'd read it and she'd put her book down and laugh because she couldn't read it because I was just trying to find a way to kill time while, you know, we were doing this or the preacher would be preaching and say something, you know, my brain, when somebody's preaching, they'll say a word and then I'm off in left field and then whatever's off in left field will put me in, in, you know, the stadium. And then the next thing I know, I'm out in the parking lot. I'm thinking, and I have, and and I have no idea what the guy's talking about because he said something that triggered a thought, that triggered a thought, that triggered a thought, right? Or I'll go, or I'll remember something, a quote, or find something. So I I do stuff like that. On purpose is just the fact that I was trying to, you know, I was trying to find a way to be funny and have a conversation, and you know, I really wasn't interested. You know, it wasn't right. it wasn't a concern to me, but. It was just time like we got to hang out, you know, and then when the church had potlucks and I go to those, you know, or we go get lunch or, you know, go over to her house and hang out with her, with her, with her family and her sisters and stuff. But yeah, it was a, it was a lot of fun. She worked too. <laughs> she worked too. Uh, but you yeah. know what? Sidebar. <laughs> you made me think of something we said left field. Here in, here in Cleveland. We have two cities kind of on the outskirts of Cleveland called Macedonia and Berea. <laughs> so, you know, not knowing anybody, you hear the Macedonians or the Bereans. The Browns training camp is in Berea, so I automatically go thinking about the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> and then I have friends in Macedonia. <laughs> Just weird. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man, oh, that's, that's so funny. Um, yeah, you could be. Yeah, you could spend some real good jokes off that. I bet. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
that's great. Um, so once you began the process of being, um, let's, I'm gonna fast forward just a little bit. Okay. Once you began the process of being convinced that there was a God, um, you had you had said something that that I never even thought about when we talked before. Um, so you eventually were convinced, okay, there's something to this God thing. You had mentioned before, then you had to narrow down which God. And I never even yeah. thought of that from a, I hope that I'm not sounding completely ignorant, but I never looked at it that way from an atheistic viewpoint. Like, okay, everybody believes in a God, but there's, there are multiplicity of things. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. So how did you get to that point of narrowing it down? narrowed it that that was a that was a long actually it wasn't as long of a process as you know as it felt it felt longer than it actually was um there was probably a period of but this is i guess this is what i look at when i think about you know the question if god what god if god what god okay well you know um there's there's the muslims and you know they're even crazier than some Christians. Um, then there's the Hindus and what they do doesn't make any sense to me. And I had read, like I said, I had read books, you know, I had, I didn't have anything against anybody. You know, I, I had to some, uh, people who, you know, were Muslim and kind of got an idea of what they believed. And I got a, you know, all these different world, I guess, world religions that you've seen, um, just within the bounds of my own circle. And, created by humans are always taxing like you know there is always a requirement of perfection um you know there's always something you have to do you have to work for you have to get to right there was no there's no logic you know and typically what they do is they steal they steal philosophies and doctrines from scripture they don't like it's like you know how we got these all of these branches of you know types of Christianity and you know, they got the Lutherans and the Baptists and the Methodists and you know the community churches and you got all these different sections of Christianity that all stemmed off Catholicism because the guys who were in Catholicism when they got sick of hearing Catholicism it's the same thing with world religions you know right. one guy didn't like the philosophy of this guy or this you know this idea you know um, was presented to him or you know like uh, Muhammad got kicked out of uh, he got, he would, wasn't accepted or he got kicked out of some kind of Christian religion. And so he went and started his own religion. That's how you got Muslims, you know, and then he created all this doctrine. And so for me, it was like, I want to get to the root. I want to find, I want to find the stem. I want to be able to follow the line. I don't want to, I, I don't want to follow a religion or a faith that has separation, you know, that, that has separated for, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Petty reasons, I guess you could say. You know, why, why did that split up? And, mm-hmm. and so it was in, it was going through the Old Testament and thinking about, okay, what, you know, you have this group of people that God selects out of the entire world that he makes his own people and there's this line and then from that line comes this guy, Jesus, and he's teaching people. And Jesus seems pretty practical. You know, Jesus doesn't <laughs> seem so like somebody who's, you know, going to require you to do anything crazy. You know, he says some things that you go, well, in modern American culture, you go, uh, mm, I don't know about that. 
uh, selling all my stuff and, and leaving behind loving my enemies. That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> like, why would I love somebody I hate? That sounds crazy. But as you start to rationalize it in your mind, you're going, okay, like, that's, it's possible. We're capable of doing things like that. You right. know, and these other places, these other religions, you're, I, I, I mean, I'm capable of doing those things, but they're irrational. They don't, they don't make sense. You know, to gain what? To get what? You know, you work for what? And so I came to the conclusion that it was, you know, the God that was, that is presented in scripture. You know, um, it, you know, it, it was totally logical to me to go, okay, all right, this God, okay, then what, where from there, what line does he push? You know, and Jesus is in complete unison with the Hebrew scriptures and the fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures, right. you know? And so when you read the Old Testament and you read the New Testament, you're like, man, that's, like, if I'm going to follow something, you know, people can do whatever they, they want to make Christianity sound completely crazy. You know, they, you, I mean, you've seen, we've seen some of the ridiculous things that people do and say in doctrines and theologies that they come up with, you know, that just, they don't do any good for anybody. They hurt people. They're created out of resentment and mm. they, you know, they desire, a they desire a change inside a system that's not going to be changed. For instance, like, Catholicism, you know, they're, you're not going to change anything up there unless it starts at the, you know, the Pope, right? Right. And so you can't change anything unless you convince the Pope it needs to change and the Pope's not going to change because the Pope has the right doctrine and then you've got, you know, and, and so they split off and go do their own thing. And, uh, I didn't want to follow, uh, religion like that. So it made most sense to me to just go into scripture and find out, okay, um, I'm not necessarily looking for a name of a church, but I'm looking for characteristics, mm. you know, and, and what, and of how I need to live. Because if this God is who he says he is, he's going to expect me to make some changes. Right. So that was the real process. Of course, it was aided by, you know, the preacher and things like that. But yeah, it was a, it was a interesting process. So this started when you were uh, 17. At some point, you were convinced, like, all right. Yep. All right, guys. I don't God. know when. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, actually, I forgot to mention that. I was I was up in the mount. I was I was in the mountains deer hunting when that happened. It was oh. uh, yeah, it was a fall. One year in the fall. I don't know if it was 2011 or 2012. I was out deer hunting. And I was sitting up on this mountain. I hiked to the top of this ridge at 4.30 in the morning. And we were at like 9,500 feet. And I was just sitting there. And I had been thinking, like I said, a lot of things for me is is think about it. I have to, you know, I have to process it. I don't just like hear what somebody says and then believe it. You know, sometimes that's the case for some people. Everybody's different. But for me, it's like, okay, you tell me something. All right. Well, if I can rationalize it in my mind, if I can. If I can make sense of what you're telling me, and if I can connect it, then I can believe. But I remember I was sitting on top of the mountain. I was like, "All right, <laughs> got me." You know, it, all right. How could there not be? You know, how could there not be? And uh, yeah. So you so you weren't on on the road and got blinded, right? <laughs> no, 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 not on the road to Damascus. There's, there's not a Damascus in Ohio, is there? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> uh, I, I would get, I would start to get freaked out if that's the case. You know? 
so you're on the mountaintop. Uh, so about how many years transpired since the first time you walked through the door? Uh, about a year. Probably about, about a year. year. Yeah, it was probably. Yeah, I stepped in the first time uh, December of 2010. So it's probably the fall of 2011. Okay. Uh, that I that I really just uh, I kind of hooked me a little bit. I said, okay, all right, let's go. <laughs> you know, let's get it. <laughs> yeah. Like, how could there not be? Yeah. Uh, it was a. It was a. It was a. I, I call it. I like to call them hurdles because that's exactly what they are. Now I can't physically jump a hurdle, um, but I I have jumped mental you know hurdles in my life. You know where. Mm. You know, because as humans, we're, you know, we're people who are patterned and we like, um, you know, we like consistently. We like to do the same things and we like to eat the same things. And mm-hmm. and so we create this pattern of, you know, belief systems sometimes. And then when that's shaken, it's kind of hard to go. What? <laughs> you know, that's that's what it feels like. You know, cause yeah. you're like, OK, well, I think this is right up until this point when I'm challenged that what I think about something might not be right. And, you know, I don't like to be challenged. In fact, I remember when my wife, um, she's my girlfriend at the time, but I remember, um, I don't know what, at what point it was, it was within that first year we're sitting in church. And, um, I remember, in fact, I did this a couple of times. I'll tell you this, this one later, but, uh, the, the next one later, but we're, uh, the first one we're sitting in church and I said, um, you know, I was like, prove to me that God can, that God exists. And she turned, over to me and she didn't say it in exact these exact words but she said prove to me that god doesn't exist i thought okay i think i can do that you know uh, you're young you're a little arrogant you, you think you got it figured out I'm like okay well i think i can do that through you know science and you know logic and, and books and reasoning i think i can convince you that there's no god no, i could <laughs> i could i couldn't do it i ended up i ended up converting myself you know mm. um just through all the research I had done because I was, I approached it with an open mind. I didn't approach it like, you know, I'm going to be closed minded. I'm just going to find the evidence that I want to find. I have to find the truth, you know, and if I don't approach something with an open mind, man, and it's so easy to just the path of your bias, you know, we can do that when we're reading scripture too, you know, the same way, Uh you know, where we look at something, we go, well, that's what it means. Okay, did you read the context? Did you study what's around it? You know, did you did, did you really sit and digest and meditate it and, and think about it, and contemplate it, and, and and let it swell inside of you to the point where you know it's either going to give you a feeling of truth or not truth. You know, and that was kind of the process for me. Was you know I had to digest things. It took me a long, took me almost three years before I was baptized because I was just processing things and digesting things and making sure I wasn't doing things for the wrong reasons, you know? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, t- it, was a, it was a battle, man. It was a battle. So just for clarification purpose. So it took you a year to be convinced and then maybe that another God year. Existed. Okay. And then it took another yeah. couple of years before you said, go ahead and dunk me in that water. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so yeah, about a three was, good, a uh, totality about a three year process. Yeah, 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 almost three years. Yeah, that's interesting. I was uh, baptized in July second, twenty thirteen. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it was about 
was about three years for me. Um, hmm. That's but, a, and that's an honest, open approach to it too. Because like you, you're dead on yeah. about the biases, dead on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you you can do that as as a believer, as an atheist too. You know, you can you can approach things with a bias. And so that's kind of my ministry style too. Is you know, I I want to approach scripture with an open mind, um, not so open that I accept, uh, or or even even when I when I'm in a discussion with somebody who I know disagrees with me, um, if they see something I don't, I I want to know what that is, and I want to know, you know, I pray this to God if I'm, you know, if I'm wrong, you know, help me be right, you know, help me, like if if I'm wrong about something, lead me to the right conclusions the right understanding of things Um, because i don't want to be wrong and that's just that open-mindedness approach where i don't accept anything but i want to think about something and then i want to approach it from that matter Hmm. from that angle that's interesting so being a young guy um and you're going through this process not that your parents were like you said they they were catholic so they had some familiarity to to what's going on Mm -hmm. What are their thoughts and feelings about everything that's going on with you? My parents? Yeah. Parents, loved yeah. ones. Um, yeah, my parents were very supportive. Um, nice. You know, they didn't have any opposition to it. It was it was good. I, I think after I got baptized, I hid it for them for, for a while because I was, I guess I had let my own fear. In a way, I had let my own fear keep me from doing it, too. You know, I was afraid that if I converted to Christianity, I'm going to get kicked out. You know, my parents aren't going to do this but they were the exact opposite that i and responded in the exact opposite way that i expected them to um you know they were very supportive right from the start in fact they even came to church with me a few times when i you know when i first started preaching you know they were they were like oh yeah you know we'll come and hear you preach i was like oh cool like that's a little scary but all right you know that's that's fine right um but yeah, they were very, very supportive of it and, uh, and still are, you know, they, they, um, you know, my dad will sit there and have a conversation with me. In fact, my brother, my brother is still an atheist. My brother, little brother, uh, before, after I went to preaching school back or before I went to preaching school, um, you know, he was full blown atheist. And then over the period of time, we we're having these conversations where I was challenging his thinking and, I think he's in the point where he doesn't disbelieve in God, but he doesn't know. Um, he doesn't. He's like where I. He doesn't know what God yet, uh, and he doesn't have anybody speaking in his ear, you know, uh, telling him what to believe. I just challenge his thinking, you mm. know, like well, you know, well, why do you believe that? Nobody ever asked that question, you know. Well, why do you believe that? Why, like, what, what convinced you? What persuaded you of that? that belief we don't ask those questions so it's like oh that person just believes that he just believes that thing <laughs> okay how does that how does that approach help somebody adjust or change their way of life mm. yeah tell me what you think about this and i've often thought about this um when it comes to one that either doesn't believe or is not willing to give their life over um, do you think it's a matter of avoiding discipline? And, and when, and uh, when I, what? and when I say that, I was saying, uh, my mother is 
kind of said it to me in the past, and I said it to a class I was teaching. You look at the Bible as a set of don'ts instead of seeing, no pun intended, the liberation and the rules that are being set for you. Because if, you know, just like uh, Moses telling the second generation, avoid this to uh, don't do this to avoid this curse. If right. you do this, you'll be blessed. So. I was saying that, you know, you look at the scriptures and instead of looking at the freedom that it provides, you look at it as a set of you can't do this, can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. And I guess my question towards you is, do you think the typical person, um, they just aren't willing to live by these set of quote unquote don't do's? That's how they perceive religion. I I think so. That's how I perceive religion, too, is a list of do's and don'ts, you know, Mm. um, then I don't look at the Bible as rule book. Um, it's not a rule book. It's a guide. You know, um, it's like if you were going on a whitewater rafting trip in the Grand Canyon, you know, you wouldn't go do that trip without somebody who knew where to go. Right. Amen. Um, the Bible scripture points us toward God. Right. Scripture takes um, what God has already done and reminds a, ge- a future generation of what he's going to do. And tells us the stories that give us hope that point us toward a relationship with God. Mm. That's what I think in the way that I see the Bible. And that's the way I try to explain it to people. Is it's not, uh, it's not a matter of, uh, well, now you can't do this or that. You can do whatever you want. God gives you choices. You, you can, you know, you can make those choices, but you have to suffer those consequences. Um, you know, and, and the punishments of, you know, making bad decisions. It's not, it's not going to change anything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be willing to at the same time say, if, if I, if I want to live where God lives when I pass from this life, then I should imitate the character of Jesus because he knows where to go. Right. He lived a life like he knew where to go. And it's not a matter of, they, this is, I, I guess, Part of the problem that I see is, you know, they view there's more people in the world now that don't believe in God than do believe in God. You know, there there are more people in this world that would say there isn't a God than that say would say there is a God. And the problem is that they view scripture and they view the Bible as a fantasy novel. They see God as this invisible, um, you know, uh, Bugs Bunny character that... <laughs> miracles and you know and that's the way that they see it or like a great fantasy novel like you know they the god is as real to them as the her- characters in harry potter are to us mm. and that, uh getting getting over that hurdle is you have to explain it to them and and appeal to their logic it's not a god that hates you it's not a god that wants anything bad for you it's not a god that you know, wants to, to, you know, to set these boundaries and rules. He's just giving you a guide. He's he's giving you a guide so you can get to the place where you can live with him forever. Right. And you don't have to, you know, you don't have to suffer death or, or be in hell. You know, you can follow the trail, the path that Jesus left, and you can, you can get to where God is. Right. But you have to make that choice. It's not my decision, you know. So I, 
I take an approach to evangelism when it comes to agnostics and atheists. I'm not going to force them to do anything. I'm not going to open up a Bible and say, here, look at, look at this. No, I'm not going to do that because, mm-hmm. because first of all, if they don't believe in God, why in the world should they believe in that? Why in the world are they going to believe in that book? Right. They're not going to, you know, it didn't work for me. And, you know, somebody tried to shove a Bible in my face, you know, and Hey, do you want to, do you want to sit down and have a Bible study? And I thought, well, um, no, not really, but I'll go because you seem like a nice person. And they, you know, tried to convince me of, you know, one thing or another. And I don't even remember how long it lasted, but I just remember leaving there thinking, this is weird. Like I've never had somebody go try to shove a Bible in my face to get me to believe in God. You know, um, I've had conversations with people. Well, you know, and, and I guess this approach in high school, I had a friend. Um, I had a friend before I had met my wife who believed in God and she would have conversations with me she would talk about you know what um not with scripture but with science like okay well i mean we learned this in science class well what do you think about you know does it make sense that a that a giraffe or that a that a lizard could turn into a unicorn that turns into a giraffe that turns into a pig and then <laughs> into a dinosaur you know because again you say it like that it sounds ridiculous but that's essentially the proposition they're holding up is right. you know that you know, the, that one species can change to another, you know, um, and and that that really was, you know, I was that was really more enjoyable for me than it was somebody shoving a Bible in my face and telling me, here, believe in God. You know, <laughs> yeah. my approach is different because of that, you know, um, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, you know, another reason. um you know, I kind of ask that because I often marvel at um, Romans one twenty, uh, where this you know, I'll, and I'll just paraphrase where the scripture says, "Hey, the, the things that are made of God are evident; and they're clearly being being seen." Um, mm-hmm. So, at some point, there becomes it's almost like you said, putting your fist up. There becomes this defense mechanism in your mind that you just. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Um, yeah. No matter what you say, no matter what I see until there's this epiphany. Um, but it's almost as if, and, and when I look at that scripture, it's like everyone should be able to identify something in this world that they see that there's a God out there. Forget all the the, yeah. the, the, the right, the right doctrines, the right churches, forget all that stuff. Yeah. Just just the simple things, butterflies in the air and, and, and clouds and, and and the fact that a seed can grow go into the ground, it takes establishment going downward before it comes upward. All these little things, it's like, yeah, there should there's something out here. <laughs> yeah. Um and and the the fact that there's people that take that position and I and I'm not taking a disrespect. I'm not trying to take a disrespect disrespectful approach to it but these things that you can see how do you just take a blind eye to it unless there's something that it's just in you that you just don't want to have that discipline yeah Um, and that's the crazy thing you know is is like how crazy thing is they say well if there is a god i want to see him (laughs) there isn't you know there isn't anything i mean i guess you could look at it from this perspective right i preach a, a sermon uh, about three and a half weeks ago, I talked about this very subject. Um, 
you know, where uh, this idea that, you know, God has left his signature on every living thing. The, the problem comes in when you live in an enclosed city and all you see is what man has made. Right? All you see are the buildings that man has erected, the houses, the grasses. I mean, everything, you know, is not natural to the world. It's created and, and formatted mm. to man's desires and likings. So I could, in that sense, see how you could not believe in a God. But I'm telling you, you get on top of that mountain and you look out. And, and that's, that's a different game because everything mm. is natural. You get in the trees, you, you know, um, you, you see the plants and the animal and the wildlife and, and the things that are growing and living in these places that don't have a human footprint. I mean, it's amazing. And, uh, it really does speak evidence to God in, in my, in my opinion. I mean, some, somebody may take a different approach to that, but, right. uh, yeah, it's, uh, this if you want a God you can see, he's right there. Just look around. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you crossed the hurdle, got baptized. It's very evident that you are a studying man uh, throughout that process. So tell us what sparked your interest in the path in pursuing uh, evangelism. Mm, I, it was just, it just always came natural to me. I mean, I, I came out of the water and I was telling people that they needed to follow Jesus. I mean, <laughs> okay. I mean, there was, I mean, even, even, you know, people who were already Christians, it was like, you know, it was like, I just, I, I would learn stuff and I would tell people, I've, I've been that way, but I've been that way my whole life. Um, you know, I, there was a kid down the street. This is kind of a bad example, but kind of a funny one at the same time. There's a kid that lived next door to me when I was a little, little kid. This is an example I always use. We were building sketchy dirt jumps in front of my house when, when I was living in San Diego. And, uh, and this kid next door, he would come and stay with his grandma for the summer. He was a short kid, you know, he was probably, I, I don't know, he was shorter than me. He was about a foot shorter than me. And just a little guy, great younger, and, but pretty brave, pretty, you know, pretty brave at doing stuff. And I had just gotten this new huffy big wheel bike for my birthday. And I was taking that thing off jumps, man, and I was showing off. And I had learned how to do those, you know, those cool skids you do, you know, where you can mm-hmm. the Nike swoosh-looking skid. <laughs> yeah. And so I was teaching him how to do that, you know, like, and, and he would ride the other bike that I had. I was like, oh, yeah, just put your foot down and, and push that big wheel out, and then it'll make this cool Nike swoosh skid mark. And so he figured out how to do that, and that was pretty cool because I taught him how to do that. And then we were building these jumps, and I, I decided I was going to put, you know, uh like five bricks under this, you know, weathered piece of plywood um, <laughs> and jump off of it and just get some big air and go off of it. And I remember him asking me, hey, can you take one brick off and I'll do it? Because he wouldn't, for the life of him, he wouldn't jump on it. He's like, and can I do it on your big bike? And I said, sure. And so he gets on the bike and he's hauling as fast as his little legs can run on this bike. And he go, hits this jump. And he gets, man, he gets air and he lands and then he tries to do the Nike swoosh turn, you know, <laughs> and he doesn't get his foot on the pedal. And so he, the bike, you know, it's moving some momentum and he runs boom right into the side of the house. <laughs> I mean, I still laugh when I hear that, but, but those are, that's a bad example of, you know, you teach somebody to do something, they can do something good with it. They can mm. do something not so good with it. Um, right. I've been that way my whole life. I, I just love to teach. Um, I, I was naturally, I think I was more drawn towards preaching than, than teaching. Um, I liked 
it's instantly, uh, I would say, I mean, I, I did my first devotional 24 hours after I was out of the water. We were at Bible camp in, uh, hmm. in Yosemite and, uh, somebody asked me to do one. Actually, in fact, I got asked to do one before I was even a Christian. People thought I was a Christian before I was, you know, before I was, they thought I was baptized before I was baptized, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, and so I, I was always naturally just, when I got baptized, it was, you know, it inflamed big time. You know, it was like, well, I want to learn how to do this. And I want to learn how to preach. And I was, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, what's the structure? What's the ideas? And how do I formulate an idea? And I just had this super big interest in that. And uh, so it was never a question for me what I was going to do. It was just a matter of learning how. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Now, you were, um, you know, in our conversation, you told us, um, and I probably have to let you go pretty soon, um, but you deal heavily with uh, uh, the youth um, yeah. at the new congregation you're in, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of course, we know our young ones are faced with different challenges. Um, or at least speaking for me, you're still relatively young. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they're, they're faced with these challenges from day to day. They see all these um, troubling things um, in, 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 in everyday life. Uh, they see the things in the media, entertainment. Uh, how do you go about attempting to keep them on track and keeping their faith at a uh, as maximum as possible how do, what do you, what is your style and what's your approach to that realism that's my approach realism mm. uh you know you you've got to be real you got to be realistic um when you when you're teaching the bible the thing that i found and the the trouble that i had that again one of those hurdles that i had over you know, had to overcome was when you would hear somebody, especially I, this wasn't every church, but at this particular church I was at, um, they they would teach it like they were living in a fantasy, and I just had a real struggle with trying to figure out what I was supposed to do because it was it was it was idealism, right? It was it was this is the expectation that we that we have for people who follow Jesus, and I'm like sitting there in the pew, I could never live up to that. I could mm. never. I'm never going to do that, you know, but hey, I'll tell anybody about Jesus. It doesn't matter. But what you're expecting of me, I can't live that way. I'm, I'm going to, I'll have a heart attack or a stroke or something before I try to live to that, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, so I tell my teens, like, look, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You know, you're going to do things that are not so smart. Um, and you're, you know, you're going to have to, figured those things out with God. But the thing that I also tell them is you have to tether your faith to Jesus. If you don't tether your faith, if you tether your faith to the church and your parents' faith, as soon as you get in any adversity, you're going to fail. So what I, what I, and this is just what I found, you know, throughout my twenties is I've tethered my faith to Jesus. My, Loyalties lie to Jesus. That's who they lie with. They don't mm. lie with the church. They don't lie with the church doctrine. They don't lie with the. I I am concerned with what God's will is, what Jesus's will is, not with the will of some guy who thinks he's interpreted the scriptures right. That's why I approach scripture with an open mind. What does Jesus want me to know? What does Jesus want me to do? How does he want me to live? Not what is the expectation of a church member 
you know, who has this idea of, that he's derived from his interpretation. Um, and so if you tether hmm. your faith to Jesus when the church fails, your faith won't fail either. I like that. I like that. Um, yeah. and, and I think a lot of people, myself included, um, would definitely in my younger days. Um, but even like you were saying that you need to attach yourself to Jesus, you put your expectations or you hang your um, portion of your faith to what you see going on in the congregation, sure. to the minister or whoever. The minute something happens, it 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 wavers you. It shakes you right. to your core. And but especially at that age, um, you know. Sure, it'd be nice to say. Well, yeah, the church disappointed me, but like you said, being real, eh, I, I'd rather go out than go to church anyway. So yeah. it be, it becomes a convenient excuse. But even later on in life, things that happen, if you just hang your hat on what Jesus said, you find yourself not as disappointed um, in man because, I mean, we're just – we're humans. We have emotions and, 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 you know, I might be going through something at the same time. Jane Doe or John Doe in the congregation are going through something and, and they may say something that triggers me at the wrong time because they're going through something. And, and next thing you know, you got a big falling out. And yeah, what did we, what were we truly hanging our hat on in the first place? Right. Right. So, um, you can probably relate to this, this, story too but there's a uh, one of uh the young men at a church a while ago there was a before i came to tulare about 30 years ago there was a split at the at the tulare church here hmm. and um a young man had gone off to college and was working and he came back to this area and when he came back and had figured out what why that the church had split he couldn't rationalize it in his mind why the church had split and he stopped going to church. He hasn't, he hasn't been back since. I mean, he's, he's seen his kids are seen at the church, but he doesn't attend the church. And so I, I think I'm, that's why I say that in my mind, if your faith is attached to Jesus, when the church fails, your faith won't fail either, you know, because Jesus is not going to fail, but the church might fail you because they're human. They're, they're people. And that's just the way that it works. Um, and so I try to really help these teens, uh, just, you know, Touch yourself to Jesus. Touch your faith, your hope, um, you know, to Jesus, not not to what the church does right, you know. And, and you know what? Just in a in a weird kind, of, it takes me back to what I was just talking about with Romans one twenty, yeah. where um, there's things that's clearly evident, but like you know, and also what you said earlier in the interview, you can't see God. But you see these people. <laughs> and yeah. since you see that up to two times a day, I mean, two times a week, multiple hours, that's what you find yourself putting your faith in. Yeah. Instead of the one that you're reading in this book. And if you're not attached to the book, forget about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this thing right here, this thing right, right. here has got to point you up there. Yes. You know? Um, it, it can't be, it can't be, well, you know, cause the Bible never tells me to go to church. It just tells me that the people who believed in Jesus were the church and they met together. That's what the Bible tells me. 
You right. know, there's nothing about going to church. So, so we've got to remember that, um, you know, as his, as his people that, yeah, we're, this thing here connects us to him. You know, this thing here helps us understand how he works. This thing here tells us of the promises and the hope that, that is to come. This thing, you know, um, tells us that amazing God and creator wants a, rela- a personal relationship with us. And, and, and that, that personal relationship is the most important thing that you can, that you can put time into. It's like, you know, we, we would use this example with marriage, right? Like, um, if you don't put time and effort into your marriage, what do you think your marriage is going to be like? Um, if you, if you have children and you lose that spark, you know, and that marriage, or you stop talking to your spouse or you stop, um, you know, taking your spouse out on dates or you stop thinking about your spouse. What is that going to do to the relationship and what problems is that going to call it? It's the same way that we could view our relationship with God um, is that we have to put time and effort into that relationship. We have to, you know, I, before I was even a Christian, I talked to God. So God, you know, if, if you're there, I want to see you show me like, I want to see, like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to, I'm not afraid to, to talk to the guy who can, who can read my mind, who can hear mm. my thoughts. You know, if you're there, if you can really hear my thoughts, show me. There's nothing I can throw at God that he can't handle. Right. Amen. <laughs> right? right. So, yeah. And, and, you know, I just worry about our youth um, because I have kids of, of that age. Um, and, you know, their frontal lobe isn't fully developed. And when you see um, even just recently, it's got school shootings. And, and it's always that convenient question. Why would God let this happen? Um, yeah. And somebody like you and, and that message that you just conveyed, if that if that can. If that can take root into somebody, it will help answer those those doubts to some yeah. to some margin, because. Man is going to fail you. And, yeah. and um, you know, I, you know, people it's just unfortunately is just is disappointing uh, when you see things happen to quote unquote people of God. Um, yeah. but we come from the same cloth, if you will, right. as the people that aren't going, that are shooting up places that are on drugs that are, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That has to be conveyed to them as well. Like, Hey, I'm one bad issue away from being like that person. I'm one Mickey right. in the drink away from being from losing my mind. I'm one touch of fentanyl. I'm, I'm you name it. I'm, I'm we're right that close. And yeah. with, without the saving hope of Jesus, hey, what's the difference? Yeah. What does it matter? What What does it matter? Why Why should I live my life a certain way if there is no hope? for me mm-hmm. afterwards you know mm-hmm. if i'm not going anywhere if there is no god then what's the point of living that way that's the mm-hmm. argument a lot of them make is you know and, and I, I like i said I, I like your point um i think i think i think it's important to you know reiterate that i had a good thought and then i lost it when you were in the middle of your talk because i was listening to what you're saying i thought it was really good <laughs> but <laughs> happens i'll think of it after we get out you know after we're done talking and i'll remember what it was yeah they they gotta have that hope and these youth are at all time high with suicide rates um and things like that. So it's it's, it's definitely a, a frightening world and, and 
we as parents, if we aren't giving them applicable knowledge of the Bible, not so much book, chapter, and verse, but yeah. just make it digestible, as someone did yeah. for you. That yeah. okay, I can buy that. Yeah, I can buy that, and and it, and it just gives them just one little bit of hope, one ounce of faith, one little bit at a time. So we talked about your wife, how the game she ran on you. And hopefully I'll let your thought come back to you. Uh, <laughs> outside of your wife, who was your biggest influence or your biggest encourager um, throughout your development? Uh, it depends what, at what point. Um, I developed some close relationship with some, with some preachers, um, you know, before I was a Christian. That's, I would say a big contributing factor to my decision to get baptized was I made some friends with some, you know, younger preachers. Um, you know, my, my mentor Cliff, who's just in the next town over, um, was a big influence on my life. I text him and ask him, you know, weird questions. He always had a good, he always had a good rational, logical answer for me that, you know, or if he didn't know, he'd say, I don't know. And I'd mm. be like, okay, that's fine. You know, and again, that's, you know, sometimes when you try to, you try to have, try to rationalize it away. People go, oh, well, you know, if you just say, I don't know, and it's like, okay, well, you don't know. I don't know. So, you know, if, if you come up with an answer or you figure something out, or you see something, let me know what you find out. That's mm-hmm. a good way to approach it too. But I'd say Cliff was a big influence on me. Um, you know, as much as my father-in-law and I butted heads at the time, I'd say he was a big influence on me. Um, you know, as, as far as, you know, he wasn't pushy. He wasn't, you know, like, Hey, you know, he was shoving a Bible in my face and he'd just sit there and talk to me, you know, and I'd throw questions at him and, you know, kind of have this relationship where, you know, he believes something that he's heard and he's never questioned it before. And I have, and so I'll throw him a question about why I've questioned it. And he, you know, will, will be like, huh, you know, he'll sit back in his chair and go like this. You know, that's the way our relationship has developed, um, you know, through the years, but <laughs> cause I just think about stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Say, so if you're going to touch my daughter, you better have some good questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 She um, was a good girl too, man. She didn't, she was, uh, she was good and she didn't, she was pretty hard nosed on that stuff when I was, uh, you know, the time, you know, just what every 17 year old kid is thinking, you know, every, 17 year old male has going through their head. Um, and you know, you just, that's just the way it is. And, uh, but she was, nope, I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> I stuck with her, you know, uh, yeah. caught you a virtuous one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's a good one. She's my best friend. I mean, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else could tolerate me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the way she does, I'm a blessed man. I, I got a good one. Uh, That's good. All right, we gonna wrap it up in a sec. So, all right, man. You did you did you capture that thought yet? No, I did not. <sighs> uh, okay. I remember it later. All right, it was a good right. one though, because I remember thinking I'm excited to say it, and I was like, <laughs> I, uh, I got it. <laughs> all right, that's all right. <laughs> Um, you gave us some uh, good stuff earlier, um, but give us, in your opinion, effective ways to reach the agnostic, to reach the atheist. Uh, we know not to just go shoving the Bible in their face. Um, 
what else would you prescribe, doctor? I'd say there's three or three that I would apply to, you know, when you encounter somebody or maybe you are someone who has a relationship with someone who doesn't believe in God. Uh, you know, I'd say the first thing that you do is you build a relationship with that person, a personal close relationship, you know, um, and, you know, there's not, you know, we, we often think of like, you know, um, people who are atheists as really worldly, you know, people. And there are some bad eggs out there that, you know, will just, um, they'll just corrupt you. I had friends like that coming out of high school, you know, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't care what they did. Uh, and I was influenced. I, mean, I did some bad stuff. I did some stupid things and I experienced some things that I never wish I would have experienced because I followed the lead of those people. But then there are the good ones where, you know, they're just good people. Yeah. They might throw a few curse words out there. You know, they might drink a little bit, but they're genuinely, they're genuinely just nice people, just kind mm. people. And they'll sit and they'll have a conversation with you and they'll talk to you because they're curious and they're interested. And so I'd say in those circumstances, in any circumstance, try to build a relationship. If you're in a relate, if you're in a situation where you feel like you're going to be influenced by, by somebody's actions, um, you know, uh, wait, wait till it mellows, <laughs> wait till it mellows out, you know, mm. um, make sure you establish, you know, your boundaries and say, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to be involved in that. Don't do anything to build a relationship, but make sure that you stand your character too. Um, but I'd say building relationships is probably the the most important thing that you can do. You've got to build a friendship. You've got to build a dialogue. You've got to have something in common outside of religion mm. and just spend time developing that. Sometimes it takes years. You know, I've been working on my brother for three years and I finally just got to the point where, you know, he's starting to say, okay, if God, what God, you mm. know, and I haven't pushed anything on him. I haven't thrown a Bible in his face. I haven't, you know, anything that, but I've developed a relationship to the point where, you know, he'll ask me questions or, you know, we can sit there and have a 30 minute conversation about, you know, um, why he, even though he doesn't really believe that God doesn't exist, but why he might believe that God doesn't exist. And then I'll throw questions at him. Well, why do you believe that? Or why do you think that way? So the relationship is, is the most important part. The second thing I, I would say in the relationship and just in general is listen, um, and be open. Uh, if you listen to what somebody else has to say, it's going to give you, it's going to give you, uh, it's going to give you an opportunity to ask the right questions, right? Um, mm. If you're just listening for the sake of rebuttal, it's not going to progress the conversation anywhere. And it's not going to help you build that relationship with that person. That that person needs to feel like a, a, a real, you know. Again, I go back to the marriage relationship. You know, sometimes, you know, there's a problem. And in my mind, I want to fix it. I want to fix that problem. But what my wife really wants is she just wants me to listen, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you listen, that person feels like they can be, like they're heard. Um, it does one of two things. It shows them that you care and um, it allows you to ask the right questions that will make them think about why they believe what they believe, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's the second thing, uh, or that's the third thing, ask questions. Um, you know, I say the most important thing and the question we need to even be reflecting on ourselves is why do we believe what we believe? You know, Mm. if we can answer that question and we can defend that question, why do we believe that there is a God? You know, Mm. um, what do we believe about God? And, and then how can we communicate that to people who don't? 
Um, what do we use to convince them or to persuade them? You know, hey, there is a God. Oftentimes, where I found success is asking questions. You know, um, well, why do you believe that quantum physics can't be evidence of God's existence? Well, A, B, C, D, B, L, you just listen. And then you ask another question. And you start to build that relationship. You know, what are we, what are we doing? And I, 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 I use this, but you shove a Bible in somebody's face and they're going to go, not for me. Um, mm-hmm. Try to have a conversation. And, and the other thing is stop looking at people like pro, their prospects. You know, not everyone, hmm. you know, people, if you look at somebody like they're an object, you can't really truly love that person. Right. Hmm. You, you okay. love the object, you love the image, you love the site, but to love the person, you need to look past the object, you know, and say, you know what, I really would like this person to believe in Jesus. But if it doesn't get there, I'm still going to love that person, who they are and what they, you know, and what they do and, and hope that the love of Jesus is shown through my life to the point where they say, I want to know what that guy knows. Hmm. That's good. That's good. That's something I'm sure we, t- <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sure we take, um, don't, uh, take full advantage of or, um, yeah. Yeah. Stop looking at people as objects. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah, I like I've, that. I've seen that a lot. I've seen it a lot. I did it. I did it myself. I know because I lived it. Mm. When I first became a Christian, you know, I was out of the water. It's like every, everybody's a prospect. Everybody's, a, I'm going to get a Bible study with everybody that I possibly can. And I'm convinced them of, you know, the truth that's in here. And I don't care if they don't believe in God. I'm going to convince them that God is real from this book. And then they're going to be Christians and we're going to have this great big movement. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> it turned a lot of people off. You know, mm. it's, it, it didn't help. You know, and if I were to just recognize that, that the same thing that God desires with me, um, is what he desires me to do for and with other people. Um, and that's to build relationships. And, uh, that's that's a that's a big that's a big deal. My book. You know what? And, and and I think this is probably another symptom of churchism, as I call it. We're looking for how many people we can get baptized, how many people we can door knock, how many. Yeah. But even in the Bible, when it speaks of Noah as being a a righteous man, a preacher. And the only thing he was able to accomplish was saving himself and seven other people. Mm-hmm. And nothing else. Everything else flourished from just those eight people. Now, we know something bad happened also, but. The foundation of the world was reworked by just Noah and he couldn't convince anybody. But his family. Yeah. And yeah. and We. We're Jeremiah the same way, you know. He's called Amen. the weeping prophet, you know. He he didn't, you know, he didn't. He preached his whole life about the righteousness of God. Nobody did. Nobody changed the thing. Um, you know, it's just not, some some relations. Some people are going to be like that. Some relationships are going to be like that. You're not going to be able to convert everybody that you love, but at mm. least you can. At least at the end of the day, you can say that you love that person. That you didn't look them at, like them as I just wanted to come to church and sit in the pew, you know. Yeah. But I really love that person, and I listened to them. And I taught and I reasoned with them, you know, and I wanted them to come close to God, but they didn't make that choice. Right. That should be the thing that breaks our heart, that they don't make the choice, not that we persuaded them to make the choice, but that they didn't make the choice on their own mm-hmm. to commit their lives to Jesus. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking to hit quotas. 
That's yeah. where that object yeah. thing comes into play. Yeah. And yeah. um Yeah. And 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 you get them in and then it's easy for them to fly out. And and, and we all we the church we're we're definitely worried about numbers and where the church future goes from here and that's that's a legitimate concern. Um yeah. we're looking for this Acts two type renaissance of thousands that 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 put on at one moment. But even when you think about the thousands, I've read somewhere that when people got together for Pentecost, it was upwards half a million people. I think I read that yeah. somewhere. I could be totally off base, maybe even more. Yeah. So just those thousands was probably just a drop in the bucket. Compared and, and to who was actually there. I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and they were mostly religious people. I, I, I'd say, I'd say more than 50% of our world today is non-religious and non-believing. More than 50%. And so when you, when you understand that, not to mention the fact that the ones who are religious are biblically illiterate, you know, they don't, they don't read this. They don't read the scriptures. They don't digest the scriptures. They just go to church on Sunday and they check their box and they, mm. you know, sing their songs and they take their communion and that's what they do. And so when you challenge people, you know, people don't realize that it's their responsibility to take hold of their spiritual growth and say, I'm not just going to sit here and, and try. And this is what I told the team. Don't rely on going to church, spiritual growth. That's the problem. That's why we have so much biblical illiteracy. It's mm. because people haven't taken hold. They just go to the church and listen to what the preacher says, and what the preacher says is right, and then I'm going to go home and, and, you know, and not think about what the preacher said for the last, for that 30 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. and not really taking into account the fact that, you know what, I do need to read my Bible every day, and I do need to pray, and I do need to develop that relationship, and I do need to think and meditate on God, because those are important things. And that's the world we're living in today, you know, and when we live in that world, it's really, really challenging um, to have this, you know, renaissance type movement where you have thousands of people putting on Christ at a time. They don't know scripture. They don't know God. It's, mm-hmm. it's and uh, that's a very different world than yeah. what it was 200 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 can a renaissance of some sort happen? Because, hey, when when church got on fire, as we see in the yeah. book of Acts, more thousands were added, more thousands were added. But again, when you just yeah. look at it practically, like you're saying, it's still, the ratio isn't balanced at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, everybody yeah, we, believed in a God. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and even while we're talking Acts 2, it's, it's, Peter says, save yourself. <laughs> get that, get that together right. first. Save yourself from this generation because, whoo. <laughs> Fast forward to Acts 17, where where you know Paul is in Athens and he sees you know this altar to an unknown god and the spirit is stirred. You know they believed there was something. God. They didn't know what god. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's finish up with Jesus addict. Tell the people what Jesus addict is all about. The Jesus addict is a blog. Um, that I sometimes post my thoughts on, and uh, I had a podcast for two episodes that I did some things on, but I haven't really updated. I try to, um, uh, I try to uh, a blog on there about once a week, you know, just something I'm thinking about, something I'm doing, um, mm. you know, 
a problem I see, uh, you know, uh, and uh, that's about it. That's all that is. It was an intention, <laughs> but I need to get back on it. So uh, that's good. Now, do you often address some of the, you know, your mind frame from back in the past to where you're at now, or is this is just to, you know, some of the things that you see of the day? Uh, a lot of it is a lot of it is re- pretty relevant. Um, okay. So occasionally, you know, I, I, I'm constantly writing. I just don't publish a lot. I should publish a lot more of, of what I'm thinking. But and of course, there's always that fear that you know it's, you know, you're posting what's coming out of your mind and what you're thinking that you know is somebody going to accept this or think about it or or are they going to be offended by it? And I guess in the world we live today, you're more afraid that somebody's going to be offended than than uh, than the fact that they'll, you know, by what, by your words and by, you know, actually critically thinking about what you're saying and saying, okay, well, does this make, um, you know, does it make sense? And, and how do I apply it to my life? I try to be really practical, um, mm-hmm. you know, and with my, with both my sermons and, and my, uh, and my blog posts. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I, I can't say I agree with everything Kanye West is talking about right about now, but it's it's refreshing <laughs> to just blah <laughs> and and it's yeah take it or leave it approach. Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes you have to do it. You know, we, we we need to be bold too. We need to say you know not everything we think, but you know speak up on what we think is right and mm. what what we see Scripture tells us is right. And what God what God convicts us with. You know, we have to speak how God convicts us. Mm-hmm. And 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 you never know. We may have to get to the point where if the church has to go through a cancel culture of its own, we may have to take a little bit of what Mr. West is going about doing. It may have to come to that. Yeah. Um, it's been going on for a lot longer. It's been going on for a long time. Cancel culture in the church. Yeah. <laughs> But, Absolutely. You know, you just gotta you gotta speak truth and uh, not speak your truth, speak the truth. Yeah, we saw and, uh, we saw Peter had to take a beating and still came back out and preached. Yeah, <laughs> and if you got stoned with a rock, you just gotta keep moving forward. Yeah, this has been thing. fun. This has yeah, been fun. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed talking with you. I, I, I genuinely like your approach to things and um. Um, definitely stay in touch with you. Um, and, 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 you know, it's oftentimes you have a, a misconception or stereotypes. And I think most people in life, stereotypes are something that's just in us. Um, yeah. but, but like you're saying, you know, we have a certain perspective thought of what a atheist is and we already have him boxed in before we even stop to have the conversation um so this is definitely refreshing it's definitely something um that you know talking to you is something i needed because yeah. um it's just no matter it, it sometimes things don't come down to to, to um, nationalities color um yeah. gender we just sometimes have these built-in things and we have to be able to look past it um to right. truly get the goal accomplished so Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I won't hold you any longer. I appreciate your time, sir. <laughs> appreciate uh, you too, brother. Send my best to your youth. I will. And I uh, hope everything's going over there okay in there in Ohio. And 
You're good, man. I appreciate you. Uh, no problem. This is great. I hope, uh, I hope this is helpful to somebody out there, you know, who's struggling with this and, you know, needs to, needs to hear somebody who came from it talk about it. Amen. And, uh, cause we don't like to address stuff like this in the church. And, no, we don't. You know, we're just concerned with, uh, somebody do or don't have the right doctrine and do or do they not dress right. And, um, all sorts of funny things that, are not really all that important. And uh, these things are marital uh, statuses. Yeah. Marital <laughs> status. I mean, you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta approach this just differently. We, we gotta approach, you know, atheism, agnosticism. We gotta approach all that with a different, with a different lineup. But I, like I said, my story is not super extraordinary. You know, I had nothing miraculous happened to me. I didn't have a Damascus moment, you know, uh, <laughs> I just, uh, one day it came to, man, I was sitting in the sunlight. I just, I just saw, I was there. I was just, all of a sudden it was like, and, uh, you know, sometimes it takes people that long. It, sometimes it takes them longer. I've heard yeah. stories of guys being, a, you know, kids married to a Christian woman and, you know, goes to church with her for 30 years and he doesn't get baptized till he's, you know, 56 and they've had all their kids and they're living at home, you know, and <laughs> I mean, Crazy, so, right? Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think Paul even talks about in first Corinthians seven, he says, um, mm. you know, let a, not a unbelieving woman uh, or a believing woman separate from her unbelieving husband, uh, maybe Peter, uh, so that she might win him, you know, by her, by her submission or by her, her obedience. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's a great way to, to convert those, you know, or not, to, but again, not to look at them as objects, but to love them like people. Yeah. And, yeah. So. Amen, bro. Thanks for checking out this episode of Liberation. Subscribe to the show and follow Liberation on Twitter and Instagram at Liberation underscore pod. Liberation is sponsored by Doodlebugs by DeVita. Thoughtful handmade jewelry designs inspired by love, peace, and unity. Shop Doodlebugs at doodlebugsbydevita.square.site. And for the Etsy lovers, it's doodlebugsbydevita.etsy.com. Use the promo code LIBERATION and get 10% off your order. Follow Doodlebugs on Twitter at doodlebugs for you. That's doodlebugs, the number four, the letter U. And Instagram, doodlebugsbydevita.com.